Hello and welcome back to the Ulster Rugby Roundup with me, Gareth Hanna, our rugby reporter, Jonathan Bradley. Hello. And Michael Sadler. Hello. I say with me, you're not, of course, with me. You're with me on Microsoft Teams. That we plug for Microsoft Teams there. Wasn't planning that, but we'll, we'll uh, build them for that one. So, it has now been all but 25 weeks since Ulster last played a competitive game. We've never really known of such a break without uh, top-class rugby. So how have, you, how have you boys been coping over the last 25 weeks without rugby? Are you uh, just about coping or absolutely loving the break? It's been very, very strange. Like, you know, I can't remember what it was like now. I almost can't remember what it was like to watch a rugby game. I think I probably saw the last from the last rugby game we played, which was the Senior Cup final, which I think was played in... Mark, oh, you know, I, you know, I can't even remember what it was, but it came after Ulster played the Cheetahs, and mm-hmm. then everything came you know, to a jumping mm-hmm. halt. But even so, that now seems to me so long ago that yeah. I, I can't really. It could, if somebody told me that was a year ago, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. It seems so long. And Michael, you've been catching up with a load of the ex Ulster players over the the lockdown period. Yeah. Um, Bit of a spin-off that um, I wasn't expecting, and uh, yeah, I got I got quite a lot of them to, to, to talk, and um, yeah, that was a, that was a strange thing. We don't normally do that, so yeah, and, and, and that was that was quite good. And most of them worked. Some of them were, you know, living the other side of the world, and some closer to home, but they're all more or less willing to do it. And it was it was interesting. It was a way of staying connected with mm-hmm. a bit of rugby, I suppose, in a way. Um, yeah. So people can can check those out on the uh, Sunday Live section of the website. Jonathan, you've been uh, branching out of rugby altogether. You're now a, a jack of all sports. Yeah, I tried to get uh, one former Ulster player and it was knocked back, so that was just the end of it. Um, just went into other sports after that. <laughs> Tell us about a couple of pieces you were doing. What's your what's in your favourite piece you've done <laughs> over the last six months? Um, I enjoyed the one that I did with Alan Solomons, former former Ulster coach, and enjoyed catching up with him. Did one with David Busby over in Seattle. Um, at the time, that was sort of the epicenter of the coronavirus over in America. Did one with the lads over at Worcester. Um, hmm. and just about how uh, they've all sort of come back together, having been at school at Methody together. Few football pieces, um, golf pieces, a snooker piece or two. Uh, yeah, leaving Very. nothing for the rest of us. Um, if any of you taking that, talking about that because we, we don't have anything else to say. <laughs> no, that's us for this week. Um, <laughs> If any of those tickle anybody's fancy, then uh, Google is your friend. You should be able to find them uh, and have a little look back at some of those. Um, but in the rugby world, then, we're, we're almost back uh, because Ulster will, of course, play Connet next weekend. So we're here this week to discuss the recent injury update featuring, of course, Ian Henderson, Will Addison, uh, Sam Carter and a few others. But we look ahead as well to the remainder of the 1920 season, which we're hoping will potentially be played to a finish over the coming weeks, although whether that actually happens or not, uh, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. But the big news this week then was Ian Henderson's uh, hip surgery, which is likely to see him miss the remainder of the 1920 season and the start of the 2021 season, which I think sort of overlap, don't they? But 
why was this surgery not done? Like, we've had no rugby now for the guts of six months. Well, it'll actually be over six months by the time we get back, won't it? But why, Jonathan, was this surgery not done a little earlier then so that he wasn't fit and available for the, the restart? Coronavirus, essentially. You couldn't get, uh, I suppose, what would be considered elective surgery. Um, yeah, that made so much sense when I heard that. But then, I don't know, I think there was a wee part of me just assuming that these sports stars live in a different world <laughs> than we do. So even at Ulster's level, they couldn't get anything done. No, well, if you look at uh, sports across the world, it's been a problem for teams that have an awful lot more money and an awful lot more of their own in-house medical staff than uh, than Ulster do. So in Henderson's case, obviously, he's not played since the second round of the Six Nations. So it's now been a full sort of six months since he's played. And it'll be another three or two and a half, three months before he does play. And that's all for the sake of what is really a 10 to 12 week injury. But the surgery itself was something that he needed for a while, and um, I suppose under more normal circumstances, maybe they would have had it over the, over the summer if the season had been played its conclusion, or maybe after the quarterfinal if the season had been played its conclusion. But there's obviously no ideal time for him to have it now because there's no break in any of the rugby. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It just seems strange, doesn't it, that we're, we're leading into knockout stages potentially of two tournaments and they're they're going to be without their captain Michael. well if he had had it earlier then you know he's a centrally contracted player he would have missed all of Ireland's games you know that's right it's built on now so that he can potentially play the majority of the season mm-hmm. which would be the idea now normally he would have had it done by now but as we've said coronavirus has led to this situation and um, they're going to get it out of the way now and he can, as Johnny says he can play for Ireland in all the you know as many of the busy test schedule that's coming up uh, as possible, mm-hmm. and then can get this, put it behind them, and then hopefully play through the season, whatever plans there are for the century contract players to play, um, and, and keep going, and then maybe at the end have a chance of, uh, if he stays fit, having a pitch at the Lions, should it come to pass, mm-hmm. which as we know is like, it seems like so, so far away, um, but is still coming at the very, very end, even mm-hmm. though it's, I think it's later this year, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. Yeah. So, you get it done now, and you hope that then he comes back. And I suppose you could make the argument, is it really more an Ireland call than an Ulster call here? Well, he is sent to be contact player, mm-hmm. and under normal circumstances, I'm sure that hip surgery would have been done before now. Mm-hmm. It just, it, Did, you know, couldn't be. Yeah, that's what it is. How big a blow is it, Michael, for Ulster in, in terms of, like, ultimately looking at having a, a chance of winning a trophy here? It's massive. Um can't be sure how many times he would have played for Ulster you know, in, in this end game to the season, but certainly when it would have come to the significant knockout games, you would like to have thought that he would have been very much a part of the side and have been able to lead the side uh, towards this holy grail, this potential holy grail, which obviously would be more perhaps likely potentially with the Pro 14, um, but it's massive, I think, anyway. Um, I know Ulster are kind of used to doing without him, but I think his role now is so much more significant. Um, they, they just needed his presence, his physical presence, his leadership in the side um, to, to, to really have bolstered their challenge. Mm. Time will tell if those guys coming in from whatever combination that will be in the second row will be sufficient. Mm. And indeed, more leadership responsibility than will presumably be scattered around 
the, the pack. And I'm sure people like Rob Herring and Marcel could say it. Uh, hoping, you know, assuming Marcel's here for all these as well, because mm-hmm. there's another um, thing that might crop up uh, with the rugby championship if it's played in New Zealand. Anyway, that, that they can take this on. I'm sure Johnny would agree. You, you want to be in Henderson here if you're in knockout rugby, and you would normally, you know, bar injury, which we're at, have had him and wanted him. Well, I mean, he's one of their four best players. He might be their best player, but he's certainly one of their top four players. Um, he's the only player in the squad who is a lion. He's one of two really regular Ireland starters that they have. So to be without him, and to be without him in an area of the squad that we talked before has been light traditionally in the last couple of years, and they've struggled for locks really, and no. You know, just numbers-wise, they've struggled for locks, so it's a huge blow in that regard as well. Plus, he's a player who I think personally always lifts his game in those big European contests as well. So you can imagine how much more confident you'd feel about the prospect should it happen of going to Toulouse if he was uh, if he was in your second row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. With his carrying ability and combined with Marcel Coutinho's, you know, to remove that, you know, half of that that yeah. carrying gone now suddenly reduces the options um, that they have now he's absolutely fundamental mm. uh, it's I mean it is huge but I think Dan McFarlane more or less admitted it too wasn't hiding from that the other day um, before he went you know obviously tried to, to open another tack cover up you know cover the tracks on that but, but there's you know the, he, he can't hide it nobody can hide it you, mm. you need him and he's yeah. not here is it wishful thinking Michael that he might be back in time for that uh, the the European matches, given that he is Ian Henderson and he he can do these sort of things and come back ridiculously early. Well, um, we don't really know. Um, that you know, let's just hope that he can do something yeah. Henderson esque again and, <laughs> yeah. and, and suddenly bounce back. They certainly they will. They they just have to have him if if they can have him in any way, shape, or form. We, I don't think we have any way of really knowing. Mm-hmm. Surgery. Oh, it's tricky. Um, <laughs> it's not the same as a hand injury. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not. So you may not be just skipping around the place saying, yeah, 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 I can do this, I can do this. You, you know, you. Do we actually know though when he had the operation? That's the other thing. I'm not sure we actually know when he had it. So do we know how far into the recuperation he is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You I don't know. Sure. No. Uh, we, we just don't know. Uh, it would be... It would be, yeah. It would, it would be something else if he if he was able to appear in in, mm-hmm. in that in the, in the European environment. But I think the, the safe money is that he's more likely to appear much much later in the European environment if it continues yeah. on from the quarterfinals. Yeah. And of course, if the quarterfinals is even playing. Um, yeah, no, of course. Well, it, it brings us on to a potential replacement that Ulster have coming back uh, into the side. He, he hasn't played since away last year, uh, and that is, of course, Sam Carter. So, Jonathan, you asked um, the head coach, Dan, uh, Dan McFarland, about him uh, at the press conference Tuesday. So here's a little bit of what Dan had to say. The first thing we saw from Sam Carter was taking the ball off, uh, uh, off 10 in a 20-metre line break up the middle of the park. Um, in all fairness, that's not what we'd hired him for. Um, 
Like we, we we recruited him because he's you know he's a, a really solid set piece player. Um, there's a lot of body involved in there, and, and you know he, he hits stuff and it stays hit. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff. Look, Sal's been out for a long time, so you know, are we expecting him to be producing the uh, um, the quality of the work that he'll he'll produce the the, the fitter he gets and, and the more involved he gets? No, we're not. You know, he's not going to jump straight back in and be firing on all cylinders. Um, but he's been going pretty well in training, and uh, we've enjoyed having him back involved. And, and I can tell you, he's certainly been in, uh, uh, enjoying being back involved. Jonathan, that was your, your first question, your opening question of the new season to Dan McFarland was sur- surrounding Sam Carter. So obviously, um, you think he's fairly um, important. How do you see him coming in, especially over these next few weeks with, with Ian being out? Well, I think it's just that whether it's fair or not, there's going to be a natural assumption that with Henderson out, Carter coming back softens that blow, lessens that blow. Um, theoretically, when you're talking about somebody who's won 15 or 16 caps for the Wallabies, he should be the one shouldering the load, as it were. But then, obviously, at the same time, you're talking about somebody who hasn't played since November. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nobody's played since February, so there's... Uh, <laughs> A little bit of an evening of the playing field there, but um, November is an awful long time, and even then, he was still settling in here. Um, I think in those opening games, um, there was probably more to come from him had he stayed fit, and it's going to be the same whenever he gets back. Now, you know, when these games start, I don't think you're going to see the Sam Carter that was getting picked for Australia by Michael Checker. You're going to see somebody working their way back after a lengthy, lengthy absence. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's too much to say that we see him starting then against Connett or even Leinster, either of these two games? Would that be too much too soon? I think that the, the way the games are going to go, in the sense that, you know, everyone's talking about how big these games are, and their significance isn't really in terms of the table, their significance is in rugby's return. If you look at what they mean to the table, these both these games might be rendered essentially meaningless by the time Ulster actually play. Mm-hmm. So I think in an ideal world, Dan McFarland would want to get almost everybody a run out in these first two games that he plans to use in the next couple of weeks once the games actually matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barring, sorry, barring a disaster where Glasgow take 10 points and Ulster take none, you know. Yeah, which, well, like, heaven forbid, heaven forbid. Michael, what are you expecting from... From Sam Carter, it's that long ago since we saw him. We didn't really see him very much or very often. Uh, probably didn't see him at his best. But what do you know? the the player he's been through his career, what are you expecting to see from him in this even the season ahead? Um, this is a. I, I think he's got to uh, say take on the load with Ian Henderson's absence. He has the experience, international experience behind him, and he he has to really. I suppose, make the position his own. I didn't think he probably had the greatest start at Ulster, even prior to his injury. Um, he still seemed to be finding his way, and then, bang, he was gone. So it's very difficult to know, you know what he is going to bring, because we haven't really seen. Um, I would assume what it was hoped he would bring in the first place when they signed him. Um, no better time than to attempt to do it now, but you know he's been out for so, so long now. But it's uh, it's certainly going to take a few games, and if these games <clears throat> that Ulster have, you know, where uh, if 
fairly meaningless, they could perhaps turn into sort of almost brandy-like situations. Yeah. If before any game time he gets, <clears throat> excuse me, is going to be vitally important going forward. Working on the basis that he will be one of the starting second rows, um, should they make uh, make it through the knockout rugby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like it gives you something that it gives you something a bit different in the sense that he gives you heft, like it gives you a bit of bulk. You know, uh, you're not going to be accused of having a lightweight second row if he's in it. Like, um, but then like Alan O'Connor was having it's long forgotten now, I suppose, but like Alan O'Connor was having a really good season when. Um, when things all stopped, Kieran Treadwell is somebody who at his best offers you a different dimension again, just with his probably more his, his athleticism rather than his size. So part of it's going to be finding a blend, and part of it in a season like this where everything's so condensed is just going to be going through some form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And the the squad's going to be as important or more important. Uh, than ever before, I suppose, over these uh, these coming months. Well, Addison's another name, unfortunately, on Ulster's injury update. He's, he's never been off them, really, for the uh, recent past. How worrying is this, Jonathan? We've seen these back injuries before regarding Will Addison, that this has crept up again, that he's been, it's been so long since he's got any sort of run of games, and now... But well, didn't Dan say basically that he can't put any time frame on this again? Yes. So like even in comparing it to like an ACL, which I think we probably all associate as one of the worst rugby injuries that frequently befalls players. Dan was saying that the difference with that is that you can put a time frame on a recovery, and even from the day you're injured, you can almost put, uh, you know a ring in your calendar of the day that you might be back whereas with this it really is just sort of seeing how they go now he said the rehab is going well but obviously just given his history it's going to be a massive concern like we spoke to him back in I don't know May time just whenever after um, the announcement of his new contract and he was still over back in England at that time and seemed like he was buzzing he'd finally put the a long run of injuries behind him was using the time away from the game to get fresh from sort of knocks that he'd taken, missing the World Cup, things like that. Um, But it is just something that it seems like it's going to have to be managed. And I suppose reading between the lines, it didn't sound like, um, obviously they're not comfortable putting a timeline on it, but it didn't sound like he was going to be back soon anyway. Mm -hmm. Michael, how concerned are you that we might... uh not see the best of, of Will Addison in the near future because like it's a little bit like and well it's a good job Alan's not here he hits it when I bring football references into things but it's a little bit like Daniel Sturridge at Liverpool where he was just such a brilliant player but just these injuries just kept coming one after the other after the other and then eventually you just start to wonder are we ever going to see this guy uh, getting anywhere near back to the player we know he can be how are you sort of worrying along those lines are you? Yeah pretty worried at this stage after the long layoff, he's still not right, and we still don't know um, just precisely when he, he may well be be back. Um, very worried. Um, you know, they, they really do need him, and uh, it's looking increasingly like he's the sort of player who they're just going to have to spend large swathes of time not having. Mm-hmm. Um, we just 
again, we, we just don't know. We don't know the nature of uh, what's going on. But it, he, he, just, he just seems to be one of these players who is just incredibly um, unlucky and um, is now spending nearly all his time at Kingspan undergoing some sort of treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose, uh, you know, I, I mean, and as for his Ireland credentials, I mean, they must be pretty much in ruins uh, unless he can get back pretty soon, which is a terrible shame as well because he looked so promising when he, when he, when he could play, not only for Ulster, but those cameos that he even made for Ireland. Mm-hmm. But we must, you know, we're get, kind of getting used to it now. He's kind of getting used to it without having rugby. We're kind of getting used to not having Will Addison. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's it's another huge blow. And, you know, depending on where they played him, they, they do at least seem to have some sort of cover in these areas. You know, at 15, if they wanted to play Ian Madigan or Matt Faddis there, you know, or, or in the midfield, they, they still have cover. But he, he is such a such a quality player with such great touch um, but again not having him and also pursuing potentially pursuing silverware without a player of his quality is, is you know it's a, it's a double massive double blow for Ulster to be without Henderson and without Will Addison's ability mm-hmm. yeah I suppose we can just at this stage say that Addison is uh, unavailable until until told otherwise the, the other names then on that injury update Andy Warwick and Angus Curtis will also be out uh, for the next few weeks but Greg Jones Matthew Ray and Matt Faddis are all uh, should be all being well fit to return against Comet next week so the new signings then that are coming into the squad first and foremost of course is Ian Madigan who's in from the Bristol Bears and he was also up to face the media on Tuesday and he was talking a little bit about swapping provinces uh, as he moves on from initially playing for his native Leinster Here's a little bit of what he had to say. I would have, I would have strong thoughts about you know players moving from province to province, and you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a purist in that sense that like you know you're from Leinster, you play for Leinster, and that's great, and similar with the Munster lads and the Connacht lads and the Ulster lads, and that's brilliant. But you know things have changed. You know for me to have moved from Leinster to to Munster or to Connacht or Ulster at that time would have been a much bigger deal. Whereas having moved to another club to then move to a different province, it, it does definitely get diluted. And in the meantime, there has been more movement of players as well. Um, now, that's not to say that the, the rivalry is, uh, uh, you know, between the provinces is being diluted you know, in any way. And ultimately, I suppose, the four provinces are, are looking to, to feed into the national team and have the national team as, as, as strong as possible. So if it means moving a player from, from Munster to Connacht, um, for the better good of the national team of a player who could then develop and play for Ireland it's you know, only a positive thing rather than that player going to a UK club or, or, or a French club but look I've arrived here and um, while I'm not from Ulster or, or, or Belfast I've been made feel very welcome and um, I can guarantee that you know, when I pull on that white shirt I'll be giving it absolutely everything and um, that's something that really excites me Interesting to hear what he has to say then about players moving provinces, about how it's maybe a little bit more acceptable than it used to be, Jonathan. This is something that we're, we're already seeing a lot more of, but probably just that trajectory is going to continue at a pace, if nothing else, from, from what we're seeing. What do you think? What do you think? Well, you've seen it in a few other instances. Um, 
this or this off season with uh, Leinster losing a few more players and not particularly happy about it again, obviously. Um, but even just if you look at when Madigan left Ireland originally, um, now not that Ulster would have been showing an interest at the time, given that uh, Paddy Jackson was here then. But um, certainly there was a opening in Munster. But if you look at um, what's happened here since then, you know Cooney's come up via Connacht, admittedly, and Marty Moore's come back via Wasps, two Leinster players, and then you've got um, Jack McGrath and Jordy Murphy who have come directly from Leinster, and that's just when you're talking about um, players with Ireland caps, you know. So you can argue the side of the coin if you want that I suppose Murr hasn't worked his way back in. Jordy's probably won less Ireland recognition, even though he's been starting every week. And Jack McGrath has probably treaded water when it comes to Ireland selection, what with Kane Healy and the emergence of Dave Kilcoyne on the test level. So you can really argue the bit out of whether it's actually worked for any of these players in terms of Ireland mm-hmm. beyond Cooney, but um, mm-hmm. it's certainly much more frequent. And even if you know you can throw in Carberry at Munster there, there is probably less of a, if you want to call it a stigma, attached to it now than there was whenever Madigan was first weighing up his options leaving Leinster. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and uh, those Ireland caps were something that he spoke a little bit about at the press conference. I think there was a line came out from the live sections, the, the Irish Times had put that out. It's him talking about uh, he has to prove himself with Ulster and that obviously after that uh, he wants to go on and play for Ireland but had, uh, it's interesting, I don't know whether you saw uh, Ravenhill Rohr had tweeted out that story with the headline that his primary goal is Ireland caps and he actually tweeted back to that and said, to say my current goal is to break into the Ulster team that's where it starts, I'll be giving everything for the club once we're up and running um, which was uh, kind of nice just that he's uh, clarifying that Ulster are his uh, first priority coming up. Michael, what uh, what do you think about the prospects? That's obviously what all the, the Dublin journalists wanted to talk about, and understandably so, whenever they were talking to Ian on Tuesday. What do you think about his prospects of getting back into the Ireland squad? Well, it, it will depend on, on fitness of others, I think, really, but there is a chance that they haven't got him because they've got quite a lot of tests coming up. I think it's fair to say that inference was he's looking to play 10 at Kingspan and but remember you know he, he can he can play elsewhere um sent in fullback and be cover and I I look an, an opening may well come but it's going to come because others aren't either being played or or they are injured and I think you know he's also if he's thinking about 10 he's got as long as Billy Burns first here, in fairness, whether he succeeds in doing that, I don't know. It depends where Dan thinks that he can deploy him, um, you know, most effectively. And that could very well be ten. Mm-hmm. He just might might be more solid than, than Billy Burns overall. The Billy Burns' attacking game, as we've seen many times, uh, and his distribution is is, is really good. Um, I think, yeah. Look, he's here. And the most important thing, and such a big thing has been made, of course, about, oh, they're still snubbing Simon Debo and um, Brian can't get in and so on. 
he's here. So in that regard, he's on the radar. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he got a run out. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how many of these tests are going to be played prior to 2021's uh, mm-hmm. Six Nations. Yeah. Uh, but again, is that his primary motive? Probably. I would. It's there. It's definitely there. But I think, yeah, it's probably being made far too much. So mm-hmm. when you're in Ireland, though, you have a chance. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a better chance than he has than Yeah, I think we don't talk enough about Simon Zebo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we need more Zebo stories. <laughs> oh, Johnny, as Michael says, he, he's not going to have much chance of playing for Ireland if he doesn't become Ulster's starting 10, or at least get plenty of game time there. It's going to be a really interesting battle between him and um, Billy Burns, and then, of course, arguably the first choice, Michael Lowry. <laughs> uh, look, actually, I always feel bad for these guys because obviously their ultimate goal is to play for Ireland. And they're not going to say anything different to that, but it always ends up getting twisted into a way of they're here to play for Ireland. Yeah. And, like, Madigan went into great depth about how he knew he had to break into the Ulster team Mm -hmm. and get past Billy Burns. He, incidentally, is another person who, whenever he arrived, said that he was here to play for Ulster, but it still ended up, you know, the talk was still about him being here with Ireland ambitions. But anyway... Just a wee bug burr there. Say again? Just a wee bug burr for you there. Again, I understand it, and I guess in a way like I contributed to it because it's me <laughs> that has spiraled the question about Madigan. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that Burns is, for my money anyway, at the minute still the starting to end. And that's, I would be massively shocked if the season starts in any other fashion than that. Madigan is going to have to earn more playing time through impressing on the field once he gets off the bench. But that doesn't mean that I think this is an insignificant signing because if you look at what Ulster were doing before, um, again, somewhat lost in the shuffle is the fact that Bill Johnson had like his best game for Ulster um, in the Cheetahs game. Yeah. And then just <laughs> all his momentum was sort of stopped stopped dead but um, the fact of the matter is that Burns has played an awful lot he's played seemingly to me when carrying injuries now you can say that everybody plays when carrying injuries but he's visibly been carrying injuries through games and especially big games so to have that extra depth to have that option mm-hmm. like you talk about Madigan's experience like this is a guy that's won 30 caps for Ireland Sexton's backups combined however many of them you want to say there are, three, four, have barely won 30 caps for Ireland. Mm-hmm. So that's something that he, he's bringing. He's bringing experience of different rugby cultures, uh, just his own even vast experience of winning things mm-hmm. with Leinster. Yeah. So I think, he, I think he can bring a lot, even though initially that's going to be in the, 20, in the 22 shirt, but I think it's going to be certainly worth watching how he develops and how that ratio of minutes between him and Billy Burns develops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're you're right, Billy Burns definitely played, yes, definitely played games we wouldn't normally have been, play, have been playing. You could you could see that, you're right. And obviously Dan hasn't felt 
that there has been sufficient backup in that position, even though, again, is absolutely right for to say, Bill Johnson had a fantastic game there just before everything shut down. Um, and Mike Larry remains friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and, he's, and he's back and, 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 and available too and can also play 15. Lots of options here. But there's no doubt Madigan will bring huge experience and ability to, in whatever role Dan feels that he can uh, can bring to the team. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. The other new signing then is scrum half, Albie Matthewson. I was going to ask Michael this, but his picture's frozen, so I'm not sure what to make of that, John. So we'll go, we'll go for you. Um, how, how, how did, what did you make of Albie any time you saw him in action for Monster, and what do you make of him as a, a backup signing to John Cooney? My abiding memories of him from Monster, I suppose, in the first instance, is that um, <laughs> he tried a one-handed NFL-style pass from a line out at one stage in that uh, whatever finish I should be able to remember was it 58-7 or something match <laughs> yeah, the record here. match it, did they get 60 yeah. I don't know did they get 60 something yeah. who knows 60, maybe 64 yeah I thought, I thought it was 64 yeah, yeah. better leave um, it in the past then just if you think back to the Champions Cup campaign last year when Munster needed to uh, needed to win games he was involved more and more and more to the point where he was coming on to see out games, or sorry, not to see out games, to influence games that were hanging in the balance for Munster. Part of that was due to Conor Murray's form at the time, but you know that's how well I suppose he finished his Munster career. Like he, you talk about Madigan and Burns, Matthewson was taking minutes off Conor Murray in big, mm. big Champions Cup games. So now that's obviously a while ago, and he hasn't played in a long while at this stage. But I see it as a very similar signing along a very similar vein to that of Madigan in mm-hmm. that you have halfback depth in a way that you probably haven't had in terms of experience since Pinar and Marshall. Mm-hmm. So we have the upcoming Pro 14 action, of course, but then we have Champions Cup to look forward to as well a little bit later on. Ulster, of course, are due to go to Toulouse in the quarter-final, and that is set for, haven't written it down, but John, I think it's September 20th, isn't that right? Is that the Sunday? Yeah, Sunday, yeah. So what are the likelihoods, as things stand, do you think, of that game progressing, given how the virus itself is progressing uh, in France and everywhere else, for that matter? Well, we're sort of back to where we were four or five months ago, when every time you were doing a podcast, you were saying, I... No expert, but it doesn't look good, does it? You know, if you look at France during the week, had two and a half thousand new cases of coronavirus, which was their highest title or highest total since uh, since they lifted the lockdown restrictions. So the Paris Marathon, night, it's very hard to compare. Obviously, the marathon and rugby, different uh, spectators, different vested interests, and a different. I suppose number of participants, quite obviously, but that was scheduled for November and it's just been cancelled. And with the organisers saying, given the situation in the country, they felt obliged to do so. Um, so none of that bodes particularly well. If you look solely at the rugby situation, I suppose then everyone will have seen the story about Stade Francais here in the week having, I think, it was twenty-five cases um, among their players and staff. So. 
If you were a bad man, you wouldn't stick a fiver on it, really, would you? No, definitely not. What the fuck that? No, I don't think I would for any games past these next couple, because you just don't know how things are going to progress, even three or four weeks down the line. Cases are on the up again, but sure, we'll enjoy these interpros well when we can and take things from there, I think. But yeah, there we go. Such is the times we are living in. So the other bit of news we had this week was that the Women's Six Nations squad was announced for the final two fixtures. Uh, amongst them were was again, of course, Catherine Dean, who has started all three of the Six Nations games this year. Claire McLaughlin was back in the squad. She hasn't played so far in this Six Nations tournament um, due to not due to an injury of some sort. I can't remember what Claire's injury was. Which injury, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't it? Let's just hope. Let's just hope her Johnny aren't listening. And uh, Neve Jones, also in the squad, who is in line potentially for an Ireland debut. So that'll give us something to keep a little eye on coming down the line there the same weekends as the men's games on the 24th and 31st of October. It's a huge season for them, obviously, as well, because beyond those Six Nations games where they obviously made a good start and then got thumped by England early, but they've got the World Cup qualification process that they have to go through mm-hmm. as well. So. Yeah, uh, big period coming up for them. Yeah, huge season coming up. Uh, all being well, who knows? Who knows what sort of season's coming up for anyone? But fingers crossed. So that's us back anyway, and that's uh, a little look ahead to what is hopefully coming up. We'll be back next week then to look ahead more specifically to the Connacht match and the Pro 14 running. But from this week, from Michael Sadler. Hello. Jonathan Bradley. Cheers, thank you very much. And Gareth Anna, thanks for listening.